0: The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit Champschurch.com. i excited to get into the Word in the new year. I don't know if you're into New Year's resolutions or not. I'm really not because I don't want to wait a year to change. I mean, there's things that we need to change that you might realize in July and, you know, you got six months, right? I mean, so I think New Year's resolutions are a thing that uh, exists in our culture, and it's kind of a big deal. I think it's worth acknowledging that people want to uh, make changes, and for the most part, those changes are improvements, and so they make these commitments and things like that. Uh, I'm not going to throw rocks at it because I've been there and done it myself. In fact, this year I have a New Year's resolution. I'm doing pretty good. I wanted to, to sound like a high-ranking mob boss, and I've devoted myself now to this for a full day, and I think it's working out okay. I'm going to preach you a message you can't refuse. you got to forgive me. We've had some uh, uh, labors and things that are unpleasant for me. Uh, they create some allergies and things like that. Uh, I don't normally uh, sound like this. I apologize for the gravel in the voice there. But I am excited to get into the Word, and I want to do that. Uh, as we get into the Word, we're going to talk about new things because we, we say Happy New Year, we make New Year's resolutions, we have all this desire to see new things uh, stir and, and, and take place in our lives, and I want to talk about newness. And As we do that, I want to get into the Scripture here. We're going to find a few things. If you're taking notes, and I highly recommend that, these are a few things that we're going to find. Uh, one is what God proclaims to you. Now, God's revealing things to you. I mean, I believe that God speaks to us. I believe that we have the scripture as the written word. Those are things that I have no uh, uh, problem acknowledging that I believe wholeheartedly. And there are things that the word says God proclaims to us. And, and I think it's, it's important when you see what that is, it'll make perfect sense. It, it'll line up with some of the life experience that you may uh, know. Another thing that we're going to find is what you always need to be ready to do. And what you always need to be ready to do, that means preparation, right? I mean, uh, preparation is something that some people are really gifted at and others maybe not so much. If we go on a trip, for instance, you know, my wife is a list, list maker, so there will be lists all over the house of all kinds of things that need to be packed. I mean, like, basically when I get ready for a trip, it's no different than getting ready on any other day. It's like I'm, whatever I've got on is what I'm taking on the trip. And generally, if you look at pictures of any of our trip, I'm like wearing the same thing in every picture. It's pretty amazing. I'd make a great superhero because I wouldn't mind wearing the same thing all the time. doesn't bother me one bit. Uh, But uh, we're going to find out what we always need to be ready to do, what we always need to be prepared for. And then a third thing we're going to find is uh, what is happening for Christians. Now, if you're in the room and you're a Christian, this is going on in your life, whether you realize it or not. And I think it's important to realize it so that we can cooperate with these things that are going on and offer no resistance, but rather be involved and see them come to pass for, for uh, the glory of God and what he's doing in our life. So I uh, mentioned we're going to talk about newness. I want to go to the dictionary and just define the word new. Uh, it's, it's, it's nothing really mind-blowing, but it's going to reveal about four things that I want to look to in the scripture to see what God's doing in our life to bring new things. And uh, by definition, if you go to the dictionary, you look up the word new, you're going to find the following. Now, this was no deep dive. This, This wasn't pulling, you know, Oxford Dictionary off the shelf or anything like that. This was typing in new definition. And the first thing that came up read like this. Not existing before, made, introduced, or discovered recently or now for the first time. I'm going to read those again because I see some are writing it down. So not existing before, made, introduced, or discovered recently or now for the first time. And when I read that definition, I I wanted to count, you know, how many things are are being identified here. Well, I, I counted four. I know that last one's a little tricky, but you see four. One, you're going to see not existing before two, made, three, introduced, four, discovered recently or now for the first time. So you've got something that is never existed before, something that's made, something that's introduced, and something that's discovered. I wanted to take those four things and take a look at the scripture to see how God is, is bringing these things into our life, and I think we've got some really interesting things to look at and evaluate. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to ask you to turn to the book of Isaiah. We're going to look at the, at the uh, 42nd chapter, Isaiah 42. And I told you we we're going to find what God is proclaiming to you. Proclaiming is an interesting word. It's more than just saying, right? I mean, if I go home and, and I say, you know, hey, what's for dinner tonight? That's different than if I go home and proclaim that, hey, I'm hungry, right? I mean, there's a difference. There's an urgency. There's a, a a volume decibel level. I don't know what what sounds different to you between those two words, but to me, they trigger a, a different response, a different uh, degree of, of volume and urgency. And when we see that God's making this proclamation in our life, I think we ought to acknowledge that there is an urgency attached to this. There is a high decibel level, that this is more than casual communication, but rather there's a a sense of importance attached to what's going on here. In Isaiah 42, when you read verse 9, it reads like this, Behold, former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Before they spring forward, I will proclaim them to you. I pause there because I hope that you're reading it with your own eyes. And it's a really amazing thing to consider that God is acknowledging that there have been old things that have happened, but now there are new things, and that he's going to proclaim those new things to us. Now, I get excited when I read that passage of Scripture because it's a commitment being made. God is committing to communicate with me about the new things that are going to take place in my life. I mean, I've taken this passage of Scripture into my prayer life before, where I've been uncertain about what's going on, or maybe unclear about uh, options or decisions that need to be made. And I've been able to stand on this passage of Scripture. Father, you declare that you're bringing new things into existence in my life. And your word commits that you will proclaim to me what those things are. And so now here I am to, to hear your, your counsel, your direction, to have that proclamation made so that I don't walk in mystery and, and fear and anxiety, but so that I walk with the the conviction of your direction and your counsel leading me and guiding me so that I can be like the psalmist and say your word or what you say is is a a light unto my, my feet. It's a lamp to my path. It's a wonderful commitment that God's made. And then when you consider the context and what this commitment is about, so to speak, not that it's limited to this subject matter, but that it's about this subject matter, it gets even more exciting. And when you read the context, say, beginning around verse 6, you can find that it's about your life and the wonderful ministry that you're called to. Your existence being this uh, evangelistic release into the world. In fact, let me just read to you, if we begin in verse, uh, let's pick 6. God is saying, I'm the Lord and I've called you in righteousness. I mean, you could pause right there. And think about the wonders and the relief that come. That should shatter thoughts of anxiety and fear, the idea that God called you, that he chose you, that he had other options, that he knew everything about you and yet he still said you're the one, you're qualified. You know how many times I've done things that I knew were God's will but I felt completely unqualified to do it. I mean, I've pulled into, to, you know, the church parking lot to lead a, a marriage seminar before after having just the worst fight with my wife ever. Try that one. <laughs> well, good evening, everybody. I hope you brought your pens. I'm going to tell you a lot of what not to do tonight. I mean, there's times in our lives where we have the call to do something and we can feel Unqualified. All, and, and by the way, the devil loves to play that card. He loves to whisper in your ear how, how you know, the, your past, and, and these things are disqualifying, and who do you think you are? And the reality is Jesus washes all of those disqualifications away when he shed his blood on your behalf. My qualifications are now the qualifications of Jesus Christ. The, the righteousness that I walk in is his righteousness. It's the reason why the calling and the anointing that is upon my life is the same calling and anointing that is upon the life of my King Jesus. Same for you. So when you read these things, you can see there that this is a a powerful uh, passage of Scripture, the idea that you're called, that you're chosen. It goes on to say, I will also hold you by the hand, and I'll watch over you. Boy, that's comforting. And I will appoint you as a covenant people as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from their dungeons and those who dwell in darkness from prison. He goes on to declare, it's me that's the Lord and I'm not going to let glory go to another. And then he goes on to declare, behold, former things have come to pass, but now I declare new things. And before these new things come, I will proclaim them to you. And when you read this passage of scripture, there are things that may come to mind and I'll share with you a couple of things that come to my mind. Uh, I, what I picture when I read this is what Jesus declares upon being baptized in the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, coming upon him and remaining upon him. And, and he stands in the, the synagogue and he opens up uh, the book of Isaiah and you'll find it, the history recorded in Luke chapter 4. In about verse 18, he begins to read and he reads, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because. I mean, what an interesting thing. What a great place to stop. I mean, The reason why the Holy Spirit is upon my life is about to be revealed. The reason why the Holy Spirit is upon your life is about to be revealed. The reason why the Holy Spirit is upon Jesus Christ is about to be revealed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim the release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord it sounds pretty familiar to what God is saying he's going to do when he proclaims new things in your life. That he's appointed you to be a covenant people, to be light in the darkness, to open blind eyes, to bring prisoners out from their dungeons and those who dwell in prison into freedom. Now, our life experience is all different, but I remember assisting in the release of a prisoner from a prison that I think would best be described as a dungeon. It was in, uh, the country was Sierra Leone and the man had been wrongfully accused of murder and it was a really uh, uh, horrible situation. In fact, his life was at stake and there was a man there that I was working with and we had committed to see this guy released from prison and it was going to require um, a miracle. So we we went to the, the place where he was kept and we were not granted entry. And and sometimes it's amazing what a little fellowship will do. I remember talking to the guards out front and cracking a few jokes. And I noticed one of them held something, something small in his hand, and I said, Hey, let me see that. And he said, What, you know, this and he hands it to me. And I mean, I just did this stupid little like sleight of hand trick. And they were all floored and began to laugh. And they said, why are you here again? And we said, well, we're here to see, you know, we called him by name. I said, you can go in. This guy's life hung in the balance of a stupid trick you can YouTube. We go inside and we get to a place that's just kind of dirty, it's filthy, it's, it's very unclean, I mean, there's no sanitation at all. And you come to this place where there's these iron bars and then there's just nothing but a black void on the other side of those bars. I remember standing there, and the man I was with called his name. It felt like an eternity. We stood there. And I remember beginning to see a glint coming out of the darkness. I could see the light reflecting off of his eyes. And it took him a while to make it to the the bars there, probably because he was wanting to watch what he was going to step in. And he finally made it to the bars and the look on his face was one of of a mixture of terror and horror and fear and anxiety and also tremendous relief that he saw faces that believed in him and and were there for his well-being. We managed to talk to the right people and, and get him out of that dungeon and get him out of the country back to his home country of Liberia. But When I read passages of scripture like this, I think, That's the call that's on every single Christian's life. To carry that light to those that are locked in those dark dungeons and draw them out. To be the ones that carry the anointing of Jesus Christ. To take the the good news to those who are in bondage and captivity to sin and corruption. And be that source of, of light that draws them from the darkness into light. And brings about a powerful transformation that not only affects their lives, but changes their lives, where they themselves become light. Sometimes when we read scripture like that, it's animated by our own life experience. It just happens to be one of them. When Jesus stood and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, and he begins to give all of these reasons. One of those reasons is to open up blind eyes. Well, there's absolutely nothing that Jesus has ever done in ministry that doesn't apply to my life. But yet from the day I've been born, I've had my eyesight. But yet there's been plenty of moments where though I could see in the physical, I I had no idea where I was going. I had no vision for my life. And I believe that the call that is upon our lives is not only to walk with a tremendous vision, but to be able to help others come into that vision. And that's one of the ways that we see these new things. Remember, by definition, new opened up by being defined as not existing before. Not existing before. That means it's not been seen before. It's never existed before. You know how hard it is to see something that can't be seen? If you turn to the scripture, you'll find that's where faith comes in. That which is unseen. When God's doing new things in your life, it's going to require faith because you're not going to be able to see, when you look back on your life experience, anything that you can lean on, for any kind of comfort or hope. The new things that God's bringing into your life will be completely foreign. They will stretch you to, play, to, to levels that you never thought you could be stretched to. And, and those new things can be terrifying unless you know who's holding your hand. And it's one of the promises that we saw in Isaiah 42. I'll hold your hand. I'll be with you. Let that affect your prayer life. There have been times I've been praying and I've reached my hand up. I'm here. Father, hold my hand. Because I, I, I am... I'm terrified right now of what's going on. He'll call you to do things, new things, things that have never existed before, so you've never seen them before. And that is where, in faith, a believer is going to need to have a vision. And when the word vision comes up in church, there's a, a wonderful, popular passage of Scripture that we quote all the time because it's very important. Now, I want to read it to you now, and it's about the importance of vision. From Proverbs twenty-nine, eighteen, that where there's no vision, people perish. But when you consider that, as it concerns new things, I think it takes on a new light. That it's not a, a lack of vision for no care or no concern. That it can be a lack of vision because what we want to see isn't there. It doesn't exist yet. And sometimes we've got to ask God to show us, will you open my blind eyes? It's not that my eyes are blind. It's that it's impossible to see. And when God shows you a vision of things to come, it brings about a a wonderful comfort, a a wonderful uh, uh, ease that would release us to do those new things, bring those new things to pass. Let me give you a passage of scripture here that would bear witness to this as we begin to to move forward with the other bits of the definition. From the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1, I want to read verses 17 through 19. Now, it opens up with this declaration of what the Apostle Paul is praying for. Now, he's praying for Christians, so that's you and that's me. And as he's praying for you and me, he makes this prayer. He prays that God the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would grow to know him more and that the prayer would also be that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we would know the hope of his calling, the riches of his glory and the surpassing greatness of his power toward us. Those are wonderful things to know when we're asked to do new things, when we're being stretched and we're, we're going in directions we've never moved in before, those things can be a challenge. But the idea that there are eyes that are not in my head but that are in my heart that can be opened so that I can see clearly that God is with me, that God has called me, that he's chosen me, and that he's given me this wonderful and powerful calling that I'm included with the saints, and that this wonderful and powerful calling includes his participation in his presence, his power, And the greatness of his power toward my life is a wonderful and releasing thing. God's definitely called us to new things. There's no question about that. New things are going to require vision. Or else there's too much room for anxiety and fear to prevail and keep us from moving in the direction that's new. I want to give you another uh, portion of that definition. Remember, existing is not something that uh, can be uh, defined as new. It's never existed before. Then the next thing is made. Made. That new things are made. I I think this is one that is worth thinking about. There's been a lot of times in my life where I've wanted God to to do things or bring things where it just kind of happens. But these new things that God's calling us to are things that are going to happen uh, uh, intentionally with choice and with decision. I want to give you a, a couple of passages of Scripture here. Galatians chapter 6. I want to look at verses 7 and 8. Galatians 6 is going to open with this, this uh, a call to, to be free from deception. And this call is something that I think you could place on every single passage of Scripture. But the fact that it's not placed on every single passage of Scripture calls me to think that there's an, an extraordinary attempt to deceive as it concerns what's about to follow. Whether that's a satanic attempt or a demonic attempt or whether, you know, it's just carnal and men uh, uh, write off what God is doing and, and walk in a rebellious deception, I'll leave that up to you. But the passage of Scripture is this extraordinary declaration to not be deceived as it concerns what follows. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that is what he will also reap. For he who sows the flesh will reap the flesh and the corruption of it. But the one that sows the Spirit will reap everlasting life. Uh, this passage of Scripture is one that I think is, is, is no matter where you're at, it's moving. You can tell that there's a, a wonderful and tremendous amount of power behind the words that are being spoken. I tend to adjust one word when I read this passage of Scripture because it's a word that affects its meaning to me. And it's the word flesh. Now, I mean, I've pastored for decades and I I understand what the the Bible means when it talks about flesh and carnality and things like that. Uh, But I think as it concerns our everyday vernacular, the passage of Scripture hits home a a little deeper with the adjustment of that one word. And I want to adjust that word uh, to the concept of flesh being selfishness. Let me read this again with that one adjustment. Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that is what he'll reap also. For the one that sows selfishness will reap corruption, and the one that sows through the Spirit will reap everlasting life. I mean, when I do what I want to do, when I satisfy the desires or the lusts of my flesh, that's a very selfish act. It's 100% myopic, it's short-sighted in every aspect of its existence, but yet so many people suffer the flesh, or they suffer selfishness. It's the reason why the call to abandon the flesh and to take on Christ could also be described as the abandonment of selfishness and the taking on of a selfless attitude. The two are very much connected. When I mention new things are going to be made, this passage of Scripture applies to that and that the things that we do will affect the life that we live. When God calls us to new things, the choices and the decisions that we make are going to affect the longevity of those new things, the success of those new things, the impact of those new things. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, I want to read from that uh, quickly, uh, from the verses 24 and 25, but you're going to realize the entire concept of the passage of Scripture when we get into it, you know, Jesus is speaking. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears my words and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been built upon the rock. You can make a, a slight adjustment with that word, built. I mean, we don't really say it today, but if I said, hey, I built a house, I think it wouldn't be a stretch to say, hey, I made a house. And if new things are made, let's just make that adjustment as it concerns this. Doing the things that Jesus says, following his instructions, positions you to be compared to a wise man who made your house upon the rock. And when the rain fell and the, the, the floods came and the winds blew, it stood. Now the opposite is revealed as bringing great destruction. When we don't follow the the counsel and the direction of our King Jesus, it it opens the door for uh, suffering when the rains come and the floods prevail and the winds blow. The result is a collapse. And the word goes on to emphasize a great collapse. So as we consider God is, is calling new things into existence in our lives, I think it's important to realize these are things that are made. They're made by the choices and the decisions that you make. You're not going to get new results making the same old choices that you used to make. As God calls you into new convictions and a a higher way of making your decisions in different aspects of your life, it's going to require actually doing things differently. I can tell you in my life when God called me into freedom out of the bondage of addiction to alcohol, it meant making some serious changes. It didn't mean doing the same things, going to the same places and behaving the same way as I always did. It required a a new set of actions, a new way of thinking, behaving, and performing. So things that are, are new have never existed before. They're made, and then they're introduced. I think this is a really interesting thing to consider, that new things are introduced. Within that definition of new, you see it's never existed before, that it's made, and then that it's introduced. Introduced is something that I think needs to have our our attention given from the perspective of the Scripture. I mentioned to you before we're going to find uh, what you need to always be ready to do. Always be ready to do. We're going to find that in this next passage of Scripture. So God's calling you to new things. Those new things are going to be things that require vision. They've never been seen before. They're going to require you to make different choices and decisions than you used to make before. And as the world begins to see you doing things that have never been seen before, that they've never seen you do before, making choices and decisions that aren't in accordance with your past habits and rituals and traditions, all of the sudden, that introduction is going to be met by the world's opinion. I'll give you a passage of scripture here from 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, I want to read verses 14 and 15. It reads like this: Don't fear there. Now there is the world. Don't fear their intimidation, and don't be troubled. But rather be sanctified in Christ, as the Lord in your heart, and always be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give account for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence. pretty interesting thing to think about, that there's going to be a, a, an awareness of the changes, the new things that exist in our life. And that when we have new things exist in our life, the call upon our lives is to be gentle and reverent in being able to communicate to everyone what's going on. Now, there's a couple of different translations for defense, and I almost went with a different uh, translation here, a different uh, uh, interpretation, but I left defense in there on purpose because I believe it's the right word. The only challenge is, is that when I read the word defense today, I think of being defensive, which can be a bad thing. The reality is it's not talking about being defensive. It's talking about being able to explain why your life is different, why you're doing new things. And I want to offer this to you because it's something that I, I think is worth considering. If you can't explain it, it's probably not going to take effect. I don't want to say that it's not real, but I think it's important to be able to explain what's going on in your life. There have been things that have happened in my life that I might be short on an explanation, but I could always tell you that it's God doing it. You know, I mean, I understand that it might look strange to you. I understand that the things that are going on might be different or might seem a little out of the ordinary. There have been times that I've done things that I knew I was supposed to do in my spirit that looked weird to everyone else. Sold homes and moved to places. I remember telling my wife, I believe we're supposed to sell our house and move to Fort Worth and I'm supposed to work with a specific missions organization. She said, great, what makes you think that? I just feel it in my spirit. Sold our home, moved to Fort Worth, sat in a house that we bought with no furniture in it for, was it two months? A couple months, staring at the wall. Then one day the phone rings. It's the president of that missions organization. Hey, Preston, we had a meeting today, and we'd like to move our offices to Fort Worth, and we'd like for you to head them up. I think you're hearing God, buddy. Those are things that God's called you to, these wonderful uh, directions that will stretch you, that will cause you to wonder, did I hear right? Did I miss? These are challenges to our faith, but yet faith will always be challenged or else it's not faith at all. And when you come to the place where you begin to see that, that what God's calling you to in the new things have never existed before, that they are made by your choices and decisions, and then they're introduced to the world that will question them, it's important to be able to give an account because the rest of the world will call you nuts. They will call you crazy. And as the concerns giving a defense there, being able to explain why you're doing the things that you're doing is a really important and necessary thing. And you want to know what will challenge your knowledge of something as far as explanation is concerned more than anything else. And, of course, this is my opinion, children. Children will ask you why all the time. And you'll find out how how little awareness there is or how little intention there is in the things that you do day to day when you're exhausted and come to the point where it's like, well, because I said, or something along those lines. But to be able to ask why is an important question to ask. And I think it's important for us to be able to ask that. If somebody were to ask me, Preston, Why do you uh, live in Abilene? Why are you at Champions Church? Why are you uh, 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 over here in Africa doing this? Why do you uh, function with your family like that? Why do you do that? It's important that I be able to answer that. And to be able to answer with the conviction that God's brought into my life, to bring that into my life when it was once upon a time new. Here's a couple of passages of Scripture that I think are really important. to to note with these new things that are introduced to the world. They're introduced to the world for a wonderful and powerful reason. Uh, Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. He says, you're the light of the world. You're a city that's set on a hill that can't be hidden. And nobody lights a lamp and then hides it, but rather they put it on a stand so that it can illuminate all that are around. And then the call is as follows, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. That is what I believe giving a defense is. That's what I believe making that explanation is. It's revealing that God is at work in your life so that he gets the glory when wonderful things happen. Like the story that I gave to you about, you know, moving to Fort Worth, that's not because I'm clairvoyant, it's because God is good. And these are wonderful things to share and to celebrate with others because God is doing wonderful and new things in our life that we may walk a life filled with faith, a life that's pleasing to him. And then there's another reason for these things because it brings about victory. I mean, the victory that God would call into our lives is the same victory that we would see as light enters into darkness. You'll find that John 1 verse 4 and 5. It says, in Jesus there's life. Life is the light of men. And light shines into darkness and darkness doesn't overpower it or doesn't overcome it. If he's made you to be light in this world, he sent you out to do new and great things. He sent those things out into the world so that the world can see them. So that your life becomes a living testimony of God's goodness. And all of these new and wonderful things that God's called us to are things that will glorify his name, that will be very evangelistic. So you have something that has never existed before, something that's made by your choices and your decisions, something that's introduced into the world and even questioned by the world. And then you have uh, uh, the, that final part where it's discovered recently or now for the first time. And when I read that part of the definition of new things that, uh, that would define new things, it, it was hard for me to, to decide what it was that was being communicated there. I mean, to define new as discovered or, or recent, uh, uh, discovered recently or now for the first time, I kept getting hung up on the word first. And, and, and those were things that, that my mind just couldn't escape from. And then I realized the wonder of this portion of the definition isn't in the idea that it's a first time, it's the idea that it's discovered. Let me read that to you again. I'm going to try to share it to you in the least confusing way that I possibly can. By definition, new is defined as discovered recently or now for the first time. I think that when you consider the word discovered there, it's pretty interesting to me to think about and it begins to make sense as it concerns my Christianity and the things that God's doing in my life. I mean, something that is discovered recently or now for the first time is something that could have been there for a long time. It's just been discovered recently. Or discovered now for the first time. That word discovered is an amazing word to consider. If you look at the etymology of the word discovered, it's from two parts. The, the discover. when you break it down, and the, the, the concept of the, the DIS, the DIS, is expressing reversal. Reversal of the word cover, meaning to cover completely to cover completely or to completely hide. So when you consider discovering these things that are new things for us, it's about them being completely uncovered for the first time in our life, meaning some of them were there all along. And This makes really great sense to me and, and causes some things to, to come together in my heart and my mind as it concerns who I am as a Christian. Because you'll read passages of Scripture like this, Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, it says the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That means that the same gifting and calling that's on my life today was on my life when I was a total drunk, but yet it was covered up. And it was only when it was discovered, only when it was completely revealed that it was something that was new in my life and active in my life. Now, this might sound kind of strange, but yet I think it's something that we ought to see and we ought to ponder from this perspective. If, if I can look back at my life and see where God discovered things, where he took the cover off of things, I ask this, what else is covered up in me? And I want to go into my prayer closet and say, Father, reveal the things that are covered in me that need to be uncovered. I want those new things to come to pass for your glory. I'll give you a couple of passages of scripture here. This one is dear to me in that it really affected my prayer life as a young believer, as a new Christian. It comes from the Psalms, and Psalms are a great place to find inspiration for your prayer life because they're very inspired prayers for the most part. In Psalm 139, in verses 23 and 24, the psalmist in prayer is asking God to do something. Listen to these wonderful words that he asks God to to perform on his behalf. He says, Father, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know all of my anxious thoughts. See if there be any destructive way in me and lead me in the way I should go. I mean, basically what he's saying is I, I need stuff discovered. I want things discovered. I want the way that I need to go discovered. I want it uncovered so that I can see it. It might be new to me. It might be a fresh revelation. It's been there all this time that you've called me to function as, as this in ministry or you've called me to function as this in the community. You've given me all that I've need. It's been my calling from day one, but it's only now that I see it because you've uncovered it before my eyes. And even though it's new to me, it's been your plan all along. God's doing new things in our lives, but it doesn't mean that it's new to him. We can ask God to search us and reveal the things that he's called us to. And these are the the things that I want to inspire myself with and you with this morning as we celebrate a new year. That a new year can mean new things. That those new things will be things that we've never seen before. Which means I don't want to lean on my own life experience, what I've seen and what I've known. But I want to go to God and say, God, give me a vision. How can there be anything new But you show me that which I've not seen before? me a vision for this year, a vision for my life, a vision for my marriage, a vision for my kids, because if I only do what I've already done, I'm not going to get anything new. And I want to get new results, results that bring you honor and glory. And, and to know that these are made by the choices and decisions that we make. Father, show me what to do. Let the counsel of my King Jesus be present before my eyes every day in the choices and the decisions that I make. Cause me to pause and to seek your counsel, to not function out of my own arrogance or out of my own selfishness, but to look at your word and to hear your direction and to follow after your way. And then let it be introduced to the world. Let it be evangelistic that the world would see that my life is different. And when they come to ask, let me be able to tell them because you're mighty, because you're good and you're faithful, because you refuse to abandon me to the ways that are destructive to my life, because you refuse to see my marriage end and divorce, because you refuse to see my sons led astray, because you refuse to see my business go under, because you refuse to see me waste away to nothing, because you love me and let this work be a powerful evangelistic tool in my life. And let those things that are in me, that have been in me, that are, make up who I am, but that may be covered, unseen, let them be uncovered. Let them be discovered and let those new things bring you honor and glory. Search my heart and show me those things that are inside of me that they wouldn't remain covered, that they would be discovered and that new days New things and new ways will bring you honor and glory. I want to close with a passage of scripture here. I mentioned we're going to find what's happening for Christians. I want to give you a passage uh, from 2 Thes- uh, Second Corinthians. 2 Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul's writing, and he's writing about the life of the believer. And he says that if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. The old things pass away and behold, new things have come. This is a passage of scripture that I, I stand on regularly as, as a believer today in every aspect of my living, that when I became a Christian, old ways did pass away and new things came. And if I were to read this passage of scripture and I would have say, well, you can see it's written in the past tense. I would have to pause and say yes I agree, but that doesn't mean that it's not having a present effect. I believe that when I became a Christian, old things were washed away. All of my sin, past, present, and future, washed away. Things I hadn't even done yet, washed away. I believe that that the new things, the the wonders and the power of the Holy Spirit aren't given in bits and pieces, but rather in whole and full measure. So yeah, that came into my life, new things. But yet every single day of my life, I continue to see old things passing away and new things coming. And I think that's the power and the wonder of, of that discovery. Those things being discovered, those things being revealed, those things that are in me, that, that God placed in me from the moment that I cried out and, and called upon the name of Jesus, those things were inside of me and they're still being uncovered on a daily basis in new and greater wonders. And I take this passage of Scripture, and I encourage you in this new year to apply this to your prayer life. Father, I thank you that I'm made new, that old things have passed away and new things have come. Let those old things that may exist in my heart and my mind continue to be washed away, that they wouldn't be present in my daily living And let the new things that you've richly blessed me with manifest. Let them be seen in my words. Let them be revealed in my attitudes. Let them be released in my actions. All for your glory. It's a wonderful thing to consider. I know God has great things for us in 2023. And a lot of those things will be new. It means we've never seen them before. It means they're going to have to be made. It means they're going to be introduced to this community. It means they're going to be uncovered and revealed for Some of us, it'll be the first time, but yet it's been there all along. But I know it's going to be great. God will never be outshined by the past. There's never going to be a time when you'll ever look back on the works of God and think, well, you know what? He's really kind of lost his touch. His glory is always going to continue to put us in awe it's the reason why we'll praise for eternity. That means there'll never be a single moment of eternity that won't be better than the one that just came before it. And there won't be a single uh, moment in eternity that won't be bested by the one that comes after. We are in store for amazing things. And it's not just things that we'll see or things that will happen to us, but things that we're called to do it's who we're called to be. And those new things are the things that God is revealing and bringing into our life through the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I know that it's hard to listen to such a monotone voice, a little absent of dynamic. Kind of bored myself there for a while. Sorry for that. But it doesn't take any uh, uh, potency from the word. God is calling us to new things. And, and to take, you know, the silly dictionary definition and build on that is just meant to be a platform to, to give us cause to dive into the scripture and look at those things that God's doing. That he is calling you to be light in the darkness. That the world is, is meant to be affected by these new and great things that have happened in and through your life. And that these things are things that are affected by our choices and our decisions, that these things can even be concerning and and produce a a sense of, of wonder because we've never seen them before. And that God promises to hold our hand through those new things. I mean, what a great promise. There's a lot of false religions out there, and I can't think of one. Where the supreme authority promises to hold your hand. I love Christianity because it's real. I want to pray for us this morning, and I want that prayer to be about our, our lives and the new things, and, and the emphasis being to take these not just as a, a message and, you know, maybe a little upgrade to Bible IQ or something along those lines, but to be affected in how we speak to God as we pray and as we seek out what he's doing in our lives, that we can go to him and, and be comforted in the things that we've never seen before and, and be devoted to doing the things that bring to pass what glorifies his name, and that we can be prepared to make that introduction into the community that surrounds us. And we can see all of the wonders of our potential discovered and released there where you stand i want to pray you can be in an attitude of agreement or, or receiving however you choose to posture but i want to trust that god is at work in your heart father we bless your name and we thank you for the truth the truth that you'll never stop doing new things in our lives that you love us that you have committed to lead us and guide us into these wonderful and marvelous things let us not see these new things as a declaration of our current inferiority, but let us see these new things as a manifestation of your devotion and your love to continue to perfect us. That you love us so much that you would hold our hand through our anxiety as you lead us and guide us in the way that we should go. And let the choices and the decisions that we make be intentional the purpose of bringing about new and marvelous things, things that bring you honor and glory. And give us the wisdom to give account in an evangelistic way to give you glory when we speak of the things that you've done on our behalf, as the world would ask. And open up our hearts to be sensitive to the discovery of the wonderful gifts that you've blessed us with that the the storehouse of our heart would be wide open for you to come to investigate. Show us our our thoughts, our feelings. Show us the wonders, of the giftings, and the anointings that you placed upon our lives. Let anything old that needs to go be swept away and let all the wonders of the new be discovered. Let the result be praise and worship, adoration, thanksgiving. Your name be glorified. As we continue to celebrate the new, wonderful works that you bring into our life through Jesus, and let not one day be the same as the one before, that as the sun would rise and your mercies be made new every morning, let there be an awareness that a new work has begun in us as well, that that mercy is for me, that that mercy is for us, and that that mercy is to lead us, to guide us into the newness that you've called us to, that this world would see, marvel at, and be drawn unto you. We bless your name and we thank you for this new year. We commit it to you. Let your will be revealed to us and let your works be done. Let us grow in in fellowship with one another and with you. and Be honored and glorified, Father, as we devote our lives to seeing these new wonders come to pass for your namesake in the expansion of your kingdom. We thank you, and we rejoice in you in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints declare, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at championschurch.com.